Welcome to Your Path to Nonprofit Leadership, the weekly podcast that explores the very best in productivity and professional development in the nonprofit sector. I'm your host, Patton McDowell, and eager to bring you more conversations with leaders in action as we all grapple with this coronavirus situation. I've got a fantastic conversation, in fact, to share this week. It's with Angela Woods, who has had an impressive journey in nonprofit leadership and is currently the CEO of the Girl Scouts Hornet's Nest Council. And what I think you will find helpful is that, like so many of you, Angela was faced with a multitude of issues raining down on her with quick decisions required and without the luxury of really much time to evaluate options. But what you'll also find helpful is her organized approach to triage these key questions requiring answers and how she rallied her staff, her board, and key donors. And what you'll also find refreshing is her strategic approach to this situation. As Angela put it, what opportunities are hidden within these challenges that we might be able to take advantage of? I think you'll find lots of practical takeaways from this conversation. And don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode, number 30. Just go to the podcast or the news page at PattonMcDowell.com and you'll find all of the resources, links, and books, as well as other information on Angela and the great work she's doing with the Girl Scouts Hornet's Nest Council. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Angela Woods. Angela, thank you for joining me on the path. Well, thank you for having me, Patton. These are strange times. It doesn't take uh, much analysis to make that point to all of our listeners dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And certainly you and your current role with Girl Scouts are having to deal with all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm grateful for your time and conversation as a leader, how you're dealing with that. But before we get into the, the real-time adventures uh, that we're facing, tell us, Angela, how did you get on the nonprofit path? Well, actually, it's a little bit of a story, but I'll, I'll be quick. Um, I have always been a volunteer, and when I came to Charlotte uh, well over 20 years ago, um, I was volunteering with um, Legal Services of Southern Piedmont as a, a housing attorney, and um, I was a, a big sister and big sisters, uh, big brothers, big sisters. Right. Um, and I was working for a, a little bank down the street. Um, you might remember uh, North Carolina National Bank. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It's 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 blown up now. It became a little uh, bigger than that. A little bigger, a little right? bigger bank. So it's a little bit a little bit bigger now. Um, and so through that volunteer work, um, one of the first opportunities that I had as working for the bank was volunteering for the United Way campaign. And so I think that was part of my initiation in, you know, onboarding as it, as it were um, in the banking days. Right. So I, I, I ran the, the campaign for our, our, um, our division at that point in time and just got to know what, what United Way was all about and um, spent a lot of time in the volunteer space and um, for a couple of years. And, and then I just kind of had a, an epiphany and said, you know, I've always <clears throat> wanted to give back. And I want I think I want to do this as a, as a profession. And wow. so that didn't really, I didn't know really what that meant. I didn't know how um, that would be a sustainable career. I didn't know any of that. I just know that that was something I was drawn to. But trained as an attorney, I, I assume at some point you thought, 
a legal career was your path, but you yes. became through volunteer work. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, interestingly enough. Yeah, right. So, you know, I, I think about um, often people ask me, um, you know, how did you how did you make the decision to um, to, uh, to to be in philanthropy? And I said, well, philanthropy really found me. I didn't really find philanthropy. Um, I, um, you know, was a uh, undergrad psychology major. And so that's probably the degree I use the most. Wow. Um, amazingly. Uh, and yep. had had all plans to to go and get my PhD in counseling psychology. But my parents at the time decided that, you know, how are you going to get a job doing that? And you should go to law school. So, <laughs> yeah, right. that's how I ended up at law school um, and at University of Georgia and, and practiced for a little bit and, and, and pretty much determined, you know, even though that was a great experience for me, I knew that I wasn't going to make a, a long term career out of it. Um, and uh, Practiced for a while, went back and got my um, MBA in, in business and decided that I wanted to, to, to do the, um, to kind of merge my background, trust and um, finance. And, and um, I got, that's how I got hired by um, NCNB, you know, but along the, along the way, um, I always volunteered. Right. So it was like, that was the consistency um, as I changed careers. So I just decided to, to make that a hundred hundred degree turn and and um and make philanthropy my career as opposed to just kind of a you know a sideline. I'm so glad you shared that. And there are many of our listeners, and you and I both have talked to many folks who are in the for profit sector, mm-hmm. and I think ponder a move. I'd call it a lateral entry. Right. You clearly had valuable skills, finance, law, and and otherwise, and but you turned it into what has now become a successful nonprofit path and career. So glad you can lift that up. And, and I'm sure you'll talk more about how those skills apply uh, to the current adventures that we're dealing with, but also your larger uh, path along the nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. Um, let, one thing is, you know, I, I've asked all my guests because I think in, in the nonprofit sector, no matter what hat you wear, you're juggling a lot of content. Uh, a lot of activity and so forth. How do you stay organized, Angela? And I I use that term loosely uh, because I don't know that any of us uh, ever get fully organized, but how have you in your nonprofit leadership role managed to stay organized? Well, I'm going to tell you, I'll be honest. Um, You you know, um, I started off in in my um, uh, philanthropic career working for a CEO um, and I kept her organized. And as I became a CEO, something happened, and I think in my brain that got less organized. <laughs> um, what it, what um, I, what I can say is that I have a, a tremendous um, leadership team um, that keeps me focused on on where I need to be and how I need to how, how I need to show up. Um, you know, I, I'm I don't have any tricks of the trade other than you know I use um, my Outlook calendar yep. uh, religiously. Yep. Um, and I, I check it. Um, I check it uh, religiously. Now, the, the challenge for me is oftentimes I have said yes to many things uh, at the same time on the same day. Yep. And yep. so that sometimes because, you know, because there's so many opportunities and so many great folks in this community that you want to connect with, um, then I say yes to a lot of things and have to come kind of step back. So one of the things I think that has been helpful to me is having a teammate, um, Trisha Shep who reviews, you know, um, my calendar weekly, you know, what do we, what do we have for the week? Um, are you sure you want to do this? 
Yeah. Let's think about doing that. And, and she takes, it takes it out maybe a couple of weeks so that if, the, if there, if I need to adjust um, um, or if I've been too aggressive in, in the calendaring, because, you know, the last thing you want to do is, you know, overcommit and not um, follow through on, on connecting with the community. So right, that's right. a key, that's a key organizational um, um, for key organizational um, aspect for me. I think it's great advice. And as leaders, you're right. We, uh, want to say yes. You want to accommodate all of the community and internal external partnerships, but perhaps we do have to say no sometimes too, right? And does that, oh, absolutely. Trisha helps you with that, right? She does. And and one thing that I I've, I've um, have done, it's been really interesting now that I'm working from home all the time. I mean, I typically don't um, schedule things on Friday. Um, Good. And that's really my day to to be in the office. Um, or to work remotely to try to get the, you know, the kind of, you know, nitty gritty stuff done. And so I, that tends to work really well because that, that then leads me into the weekend and then I can come in refreshed on, on that Monday. It's like you kind of block all of your work time in Monday through Thursday. Is that I do. Right? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's jump into this real world. And, and I've kind of phrased our discussion using the title leadership in action because you had to demonstrate is much as we don't want to have to experience this, it, it really is a case study. And I think real-time strategic planning, real-time uh, team building, real-time everything. Um, as this virus kind of became more apparent, um, how did you kind of triage, I guess, for lack of a better term, Angela, all of the issues you were facing with as everything was shutting down? Um that's a great question. And, you know, one of the things I think, um, particularly at Girl Scouts Hornets Nest, we have a, a fairly tight team. Um, we're fortunate that we are, you know, we work in one building. We're not scattered out um, amongst a lot of different um, buildings. So we're able to, to, to pull, the, pull the groups together pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, w- one of the things that I think that I started to talk to my leadership team about um, is, you know, here's some guiding principles that I want to operate on, depending, you know, we, we don't know how this is going to go, but it doesn't look like it's going to go well. Um, the first thing was that my first obligation, and I wanted our first obligation to be um, towards the supporting the well-being and, and, and safety and health of our, our team. Nice. And, their families. Um, and that was the, that was kind of the underlying um, um, guide, guidepost for every decision that we made. Um, the second thing was to um, the best of our ability, we were going to use the resources that we have been blessed with in this year to support that team for as long as we could. Yep. Um, and um, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that the work, um, you know, we are you know, servant leaders, but if I do not, and my team does not support uh, those folks that do this work, you can't, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And so, so we started from that premise and we start making decisions around how do we keep, uh, how do we um, support our team? How do we make sure that they're not worried about their jobs? Yep. Um, how do we make sure that they have the, the, uh, the technology and the virtual um, um, things that they need um, to, to work away? So we started doing the tactical things that uh, made sure that everybody in our, at our team, um, no matter if they worked in the store or if they were a, um, uh, a remote worker, that they had all of the access that they needed nice. for communication. Yep. Um, and then uh, once we figured that out and then we started to have communications with our team, hey, here's where we are. We look like we might, um, 
we might be looking at closing. We met just about every day. Um, and I'm sure a lot of not-for-profits did during that time frame. You know, we said we would make, we make a set of decisions that, that morning, then we get more data from um, the, uh, the local and then, the, and then at the state level, and then we make a different decision at the end of the day. Yep. So, so really, you know, triage, how are, how, how is our team doing? And then second is, you know, how do we communicate with our membership? Um, because they also are having concerns. And so um, it, I would say, you know, after we took care of our team, we then, you know, made the conscious decision to step back a little bit and not overwhelm our membership with um, emails and, and um, virtual uh, programming and staying engaged. It was more of a, a, a standpoint of, let's give ourselves a couple of weeks to get people adjusted to working remotely, to get our members adjusted to um, having their, their kids home and just being in a new space. Um, and that the only contact that we would have is just to check in. How are you doing? Right. How is your family doing? What can we do for you? And we, we did that for about two and a half weeks. Um, and because the work that we do is so high touch and face to face, you know, all of the strategic plans that you, you know, you all helped us develop um, a really great strategic plan. We really had to, to, to think about what are we going to do going forward? Because right. how we deliver programming is forever changed. Um, and so where we are now, I think, is just in the check-in stage and finding out um, those constituents and members that support us, um, how are they feeling? And what we found now is now they're ready to do something. Um, now they're ready to, they've been home for two or three, sometimes four weeks. Right. And now they're re ready to open up and, and see if there are some activities or engagement um, that they want to have with us again. And so we've been, we've been um, uh, now rolling out um, how to do Zoom meetings, troop leading, troop leading on Zoom, or how to do um, uh, some program delivery virtually. So there's a lot. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of opportunities, but the timing was really critical. Uh, Angela, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm making notes here. I think it's, it's a fantastic checklist you've developed for leaders everywhere to consider. You number one, starting with the guiding principles. Love yes. that concept. You mm -hmm. started there because I think you're right. If you went too quickly to tactical. Um, you might miss the point and, and people at their core are worried. And yes. so you address that early. You worked inside out, it sounds like. Let's get mm -hmm. the team straight first. Right. Give them the tools they need for remote success. And, and of course, I love the fact that you, it seems like you, there was a, a conscious discussion about let's be sensitive to our audience and not bombarding them with more uh, than they need, uh, especially now. But let me ask you about another group, though. Uh, obviously, nonprofit CEOs like you have a board of directors. What mm -hmm. was that dynamic like in, in terms of this kind of real-time um, adventure you were dealing with? Well, I'm very fortunate in that I have a, a, a great partnership with, with our board, um, and, and I believe in over-communicating. Right. Um, and so, you know, as we were making decisions, you know, I would reach out to my board chair, vice chair and officers and say, hey, this is what we're thinking about doing. Um, I want to send out a communication to the board in the next couple of days and then check back in. Um, hey, we uh, think we might start to close um, uh, in the next week. Um, what are you what are you what are you thinking and experiencing? Um, and then check back in. And so. Right. Um, having that, having that, um, 
daily conversation, having the ability to have the daily conversation because each of these um, board members are, are dealing with their own companies um, you know, um, and they're dealing with their own families. And so um, I think um, being able to put together a, a communication plan for them and letting them know um, here's, here's the decisions that we're going to make and here's why we're making them. Um, I think that left them with a, a sense that, you know, uh, you know, that we were, that we knew what we were doing and that we were doing it in, in service of our, our membership and then in service of our staff. Are you thinking of changing the, the duration or frequency of board meetings and communications or is that still to be determined? Um, I think it's still to be to determined. We've, you know, we have our annual meeting. We usually meet six times a year and our annual meeting is in um, April. And so really at the time that, you know, we were making decision to go virtual, we had to make that decision um, to make the annual, to make the annual meeting, cancel it from an in-person, you know, 200 person meeting to a virtual meeting. Wow. Um, and yep. so we had to do that really quickly. And, and what we got back from our board members and from our, our members was absolutely the right decision. Um, you know, uh, we'll figure out the we'll figure out the technology to make this work. And yes, we support you. Um, and then I think we have, we've had a board meeting since then. And that uh, we did it the old school way and, and got a, did a conference call. <laughs> right, um, right. <laughs> because I'm sure, as you know, Zoom is very popular right now. And so as an organization trying to figure out which platform works the best and um, we're still feeling that out. And um, what I'd also uh, offer is that um, we have a really neat partnership with uh, Apero. Um, I happen to sit on that board as well. Yeah. And Apero is a, has been tremendous in providing, you know, uh, real-time support in how to use platforms, how to make these meetings more effective. And um, so, you know, um, I've had my, my team attend those and they've just been phenomenal. So I, I wanted to shout out Apparel. Yeah, we need to lift that up because that, and for those listeners that don't know, that's an organization. I guess there, there aren't there other chapters nationally? Anza? Well, they're the, they're the only one um, uh, that I'm aware of. They, there's a lot of organizations that may do similar things, but they're, you know, they are kind of a unicorn, I would say, um, in this area and probably in this region um, that, that kind of marries the, the support of not-for-profit um, and do community impact, um, uh, community impact um projects where they take uh, corporate um, CTOs and CIOs and match them with not-for-profits and based on what they need in terms of technology and strategy. Right. And so it's a, so it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different types of, of, of not-for-profit t- uh, technology, but they're, they are, um, I think they're very, very unique. I think that's fantastic. I'm going to definitely lift them up. I'm, I'm familiar with their work here. And I, I know that they've got some online resources that could help listeners anywhere, frankly. Absolutely. And, and, and you're right, Angela. I mean, everybody's going to have to reconsider their technology platforms. Hopefully, it's because of a short-term urgency. But I wonder going forward, you know, this may change some of the, the kind of culture of our communications and meetings. Um, and that's something, you know, sounds like you're already thinking about. Yeah, it's, there's no question about it. You know, I said to to um, several of my um, uh, counterparts, we, we talk a, a lot these days about what is it, what's the impact going to be on not only Girl Scouts, but youth services. Um, you know, we're making some real decisions, hard decisions about whether or not we're going to do camp this right. year, which right. is kind of our bread and, bread and butter in terms of the youth experience. Um, we are thinking about, you know, we're, we're thinking about it from the standpoint of parents. 
you know, yes, they um, uh, want their, their children to have um, varied and diverse experiences, but in an, in an uncertain environment, you know, safety and health is such a huge priority. How parents engage with organizations is forever changed. Yes. And we have to think about, you know, how um, we are going to, to deliver a service um, that assures uh, safety to the best of our ability, but also the way um, how um, parents will be willing to to in, to uh, engage with us, um, and that's that's the great unknown. Are you getting? It sounds like you're already getting some initial feedback that uh, girls want programming at some level and are mm-hmm. willing to be creative. I guess from technology platforms or oh, absolutely. Is it yeah, still too early to tell exactly? Of course, how, what they're thinking. So the girls, I think, are definitely utilizing um, technology as they always do, um, but there's there's also a a latent um, need for contact and interaction. And I think that was a distinguishing factor for um, Girl Scouts, um, as well as other youth services, that you are, you are face-to-face, you are connecting one-to-one. Um, and so uh, it, it will be interesting to see how we come out of this uh, once the quarantine is lifted and how we continue to move with one another in the community. Um, that, that, you know, I've, I've heard disruption brings opportunity. Yes. And I know for a fact that we have, uh, as our organization has changed over the years, that we were in a, um, a changing mode to, to try to meet the community needs where the community is, but the community has shifted again. So, um, you know, this, I think, can, this is a little bit of a scary time, but I think this is also a, a good opportunity for us to be flexible, um, for us to practice the pause and not trying to fix something, but really to wait and see where people land and see if we have the opportunity to reconnect people um, in a much more meaningful way. Um, and what, is that, what does that look like? I don't know yet, but right. I, know that that's, that, I know that's probably what's needed. Love the phrase, practice the pause, and you're right. So while we want to be proactive, you're suggesting that we can't overreact too quickly because maybe as the dust settles, there will be new opportunities. Absolutely. Has this changed the dynamic? Obviously, you're part of a national, international movement. Um, communication at that level, it sounds like, are you interacting more with colleagues? And w- could this create new opportunities for kind of networking amongst your colleagues? I think it, it already has, um, because, um, you know, just like uh, a United, United Ways, uh, Girl Scout councils are individual 501c3s, and they are responsible um, and respond to their communities. And what I think that has, what this, um, the COVID-19 uh, has done is really bonded um, a lot of our executive directors together in terms of their experience, in terms of sharing um, um, lessons learned, um, you know, what's happened with them. And, and, and quite frankly, um, has bonded us in support. Right. Um, very, um, very many of my colleagues are, are, are experienced lost through this, this COVID um, uh, tragedy, through, um, th- through staff members, through canceling programs. I mean, you name it, they've experienced wow. it. Um, and at the same time, they've been really, um, I think, open and resilient in sharing those things and, and giving the rest of us, you know, kind of the heads up. Here's what you can expect. Here's what you need to communicate. Here's what we learned. 
Um, you know, and so we've been able to share a lot, I think, um, one-to-one and really have some, um, um, I would say, innovative conversations and not just about Girl Scouts, but about, you know, um, how we serve families um, and how we serve one another. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that is, if there's a silver lining to this uh, new environment, the new normal we're in is how do we take advantage of our networks professionally yes. and personally? Um, and that maybe will strengthen as it goes forward. You mentioned, Angela, the strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, every organization tends to have one. Many, of course, right now are thinking it, it's almost like I've got to throw it out the window. Everything I had <laughs> planned for this year and beyond. Um, yeah. but it, it sounds like you're, you're trying to maintain the core elements of your plan, but perhaps they're going to be tactically delivered in different ways or how, to, how are you approaching strategic planning now? That's an, that's an excellent question because we were retooling our, our plan. I mean, our, our plan, you know, had some really basic key tenets. You know, it's a, we're a membership organization that, that's designed to support and uplift girl leadership. Um, and how we do that, you know, is pretty formulaic. Um, but I think, uh, you know, as we are looking at our plan, as we were looking at our plan in January at our board retreat, you know, we knew that the, the, the formulaic model that we've, we've been using just wasn't res- resonating with the community and that we were on the path to try to figure out a different model and that we knew that we needed to, t- to test things out this year to see what would, what might work this year. Um, and so 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 that we were on that path and then this happened right <laughs> so uh, we're going to have to kind of step back and, and and look at that again and um the the i think the opportunity and challenge for us is how do we deliver a service that is not what we would what i would call safety net services right mm-hmm. um but it is a it is a um an additive um some may deem it as an extracurricular but impactful experience how do we how do we um, um, make sure that families are safe, and um, how do we deliver a service that is meaningful in this time of uncertainty? And so, we are going to be looking at um, nothing is off the table. Um, you know, we we originally said, well, you know, we might not do this model; we may do a different model. But I think because we are such an uncertain time, nothing can be off the table. Exactly. I think we have to, hundred percent flexible. And so as we're talking through, you know, um, you know, we, we, we've been dealing with things in 30, 60, 90 day increments. So in the next, you know, 30 days, we're going to be looking at how we re-engage our, um, our volunteers. Um, how do we do it differently? Um, in the next 60 days, which will be around summertime, what do we need to do um, if we make a decision about um, our, our camp that, you know, we may not have our camp or we might have a camp. Right. You know, what, what, what does that mean for our planning time? So, um, you know, I think fundamentally right now, um, I, I think our, our fundamentals are the same. However, I will say if, um, if the environment does not change um, and we continue to be in a quarantine environment, we're going to have to, we're going to have to start over. Um, we're going to have to start from, you know, I, I would say start from scratch in, in from the strategic planning perspective um, in terms of engagement. And I think we're willing as an organization to have that flexibility. 
Yeah. Well, and it's to your credit and uncertainty is not fun, but I appreciate and applaud the way you're looking at it that, Hey, if, if it is a reality that we're going to have to deal with, then let's look at it as an opportunity. Right. And, and still deliver for the girls we serve mm-hmm. the kind of programming, but maybe just in a very different way. And, and I like the way also you phrase it that nothing's off the table, right? Mm-hmm. It just right. maybe gives us an opportunity to be creative unlike any other time in our history. Mm-hmm. Well, right. My colleague, Mike Blackwater, uses the phrase in this time in particular about self-care. And CEOs like you are, of course, having to take care of everybody in every direction. Um, Are you taking care of yourself? How has this changed your kind of lifestyle as a leader? I wondered if uh, that has, or have you even had time to think about yourself as you've been, you know, juggling everything else? Yeah, I'm pretty, um, I will say, um, you know, particularly as I've as I've as I've become more seasoned, I won't say older. <laughs> uh, nice way to say I've, it. Yeah. I've been pretty. I've been uh, been pretty aggressive about um, setting boundaries around my self care. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, and have been a proponent um, both externally to the organization and internally to the organization about um, health and wellness, whatever, however that mean, whatever that means to you. Um, and, you know, I, I, I am a huge supporter of um, our team when they want to do lunch and learns around um, mental health, around um, spiritual self-care, around physical self-care. And we keep that, um, we, we make sure that those um, opportunities remain available to our team. Nice. Um, yep. And I think for me, um, you, you know, I, I have to to, I set boundaries and then I got to reset them. Um, and I think, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it is important for me to, um, get out of the house safely with my mask yep. and self distance, social self distance <laughs> and take, yeah. you have to say all those things, um, and take a walk. Um, and so, um, I've been walking a lot more, um, in a lot, uh, you know, have a couple of, of friends that we, you know, we have made it, uh, our, um, our, our, our gift to one another is to meet at eight o'clock every morning um, and just take a walk for three miles. Nice. Um, and, and so that, um, because I was, uh, you know, already, already active, uh, this walk is more of a, a, it's more of a, a, a mental break. Um, as well as a physical break, therapeutic, right? right? I mean, it's got to be therapeutic. Yeah, it's absolutely way. therapeutic. I'm, I'm really, cons- I get really concerned. Um, uh, and, and you asked the, the question specifically about myself. It is important for me to, uh, to, to make sure that I'm connecting with my family, um, with my friends, um, and to, um, you know, connect in for me personally with my um, church members. Um, just that to, to have that reassurance that everything will ultimately be okay. Um, because it, these are, you know, I was, I was talking to some team members, um, uh, you know, these are, um, solitary jobs and you don't often have the opportunity to, um, to not be okay. And so I will say, um, in Charlotte, there are wonderful, wonderful, I have wonderful, wonderful colleagues who reach out, who lend support, who have a listening ear and, you know, who kind of um, hold your feet to the fire when you need to. So I've been very fortunate to be a, a part of a, a really great, um, um, have great friendships across this community. 
Yeah, and what a, a nice way to articulate the kind of silver lining of this effect. Mm-hmm. I am seeing more people getting out. Uh, I think neighbors are meeting neighbors <laughs> uh, yes. that otherwise did not because of this kind of unique situation. So and they might have toilet paper. You never know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, so don't, don't miss out on the resources right there in your neighborhood, <laughs> right? Exactly. If you simply get on the sidewalk and right. get to know them. Um, well, Angela, let me get to, while this current situation is unique, uh, we're both fortunate that more and more people are thinking about the nonprofit career uh, as their professional path. Um, is there certain advice when you offer, I guess there are two parts to this question. One, someone like you that was in a for-profit setting considering going nonprofit or just, you know, recent college grad uh, looking at nonprofit. Is there general advice when you meet either of those types of candidates? Um, yes. Um, I think, um, it's very important as, as I talk to, to folks who are going to be new to the field, whether they're seasoned or, or, or not seasoned. Um, what I share with them is you have to understand that um, not-for-profit is a business and you've got to educate yourself about business fundamentals. Good. It is so critical. Um, it, is a, it is a tax distinction but we run a business. We run small business. You have to understand revenue. You have to understand expenses. You have to understand relationships, um, development, um, um, revenue generation slash sales slash fundraising. Um, You have to do strategic planning. All of the things that you would do on the for-profit side, you have to do on the not-for-profit side, um, usually with less resources. Yep. um, and, and, And a whole sometimes bottomless well of goodwill to get it done. So I'm, I'm usually, I, I don't um, sugarcoat it for folks. Yeah. Um, it, it's important that um, you align the understanding, having f- great business fundamentals with um, servant leadership, because at the end of the day, you do run a business, but it is not about you. It is about the people you serve. Um, and I think um, um, leaders get, um, distracted when they start to think that their uh, organizations is about them. It's not, <laughs> um, right. it's for right. greater good. And, but, but also with the, with the, with the, with the idea that in order to, to, to do the greater good, you still need strong business fundamentals. Right. Great advice. Um, I think um, what I tell people is, you know, um, relationships, whether you're in for-profit or not-for-profit, relationship development and sustainability and nurturing and caring are so critical. Um, I, I can see now over the years being in for-profit and, and not-for-profit, the relationships that I've nurtured, you know, have come back um, threefold in, in the different jobs that I've had because I've been able to call on folks um, for advice, for support, for resources. Um, I think it's in, also important to... Um, be confident um, because you work for a not-for-profit does not mean you are lesser than. Um, it takes a lot of uh, chutzpah to to stand in these to stand in these uh, roles and to um, uh, sometimes not know when your resources are going to come, but knowing that the the, the resources are ne- resources are necessary for the community. Um, you don't have to apologize, right? For and your, not to, not to be yeah. apologetic about it. Um, yeah. You know, I learned, I think, 
uh, you know, both in law school to think on my feet, but I also learned in, in the not-for-profit world that, you know, when somebody tells you no, that just may mean not yet. Right. Exactly right. <laughs> um, and being able to identify what people's um, uh, interests are and whether or not they align with what you, um, what your organization is, is um, aligned with um, and, and trying to make that match. And if, it, and if it doesn't, if you don't have a match, you know, um, pay it forward to another organization that may be able to, to align with um, that organization. So um, I think, you know, it's important for, and I, uh, you know, for me personally, um, to always keep your toolbox updated, right? Um, never think you know everything because right. you don't. Um, be in a constant state of learning and, you know, um, stay curious about, you know, why things are the way they are. Um, ask questions. Um, don't be afraid to tell people you don't know. Um, because that's an opportunity to learn and 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 grow and and connect with other folks. Um, listen more than talk. Yes. And what I found uh, for me uh, has has been invaluable is to connect with uh, so many um, younger, newer, uh, up and coming um, leaders in this community. Um, who may see my job as, as, you know, something they want to strive for, where I see where they're coming from as an opportunity to learn more. So I think some people call it reverse mentoring, but I really don't like that. I would say, <laughs> right, right. I would say, find you a mentor, a young mentor, somebody with a, a diverse mentor that is not like you, that knows something different from you and learn from that person because Love I think that. it broadens your perspective, it keeps you current um, and it helps you to think um, more collaboratively um, and it allows you to grow as a leader. I think that's such great advice. It, naturally, we gravitate to the people that are in kind of the same situation, right? Professionally or experience, mm -hmm. but you're saying you got to get out of that comfort mm -hmm. zone sometimes maybe to, to get even greater depth of learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Your, your checklist, Angela, is fantastic. I'm looking at my notes here in terms of looking for, and I wonder if you apply this to when you're hiring, you have built a fantastic team, but understanding the business of nonprofit, maximizing your network, having confidence that we are a true profession and not a, a, a charity uh, in the connotation that is we're begging, so to speak. Right. Um, is there anything else that you kind of look for in addition to the requisite you know, skill set someone needs for a job at your organization, but are other things that maybe characteristics you particularly look for? Well, I, you know, I think um, uh, it's very important for, for me and I think for my organization to be an organization that is not only diverse, but is inclusive yes. and, and looks towards equity. Um, and, you know, the challenge of having a 107 year old organization is that we're very diverse, but we're not very inclusive. And we, we got a long way to go on, on equity. And I think as I, as I look for, as positions open up, you know, I often look for, for talent that will challenge the status quo. Interesting. Um, because, you know, as, you know, as I look towards who our customers are, you know, our customers are, are um, young parents who have a much different view than five years ago, than seven years ago, than 10 years ago. Um, and, 
you know, the world is constantly changing. So it is, it is important to me to have that voice um, in, in my organization um, and to, 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 to build leadership from within so that someone who comes into our organization can say and has said, Angela, this is a, you need to consider um, talking about um, equity in this organization. I don't view this organization having enough equity opportunities. Wow. And I think as a leader, um, you have to be open to that. Uh, and so I oft, I always look for, um, uh, for those, for those um, skills and talents. Um, I look for rigor. I look for folks who it may, they may not have the not-for-profit um, uh, experience because that's, I don't know that that's necessary because you can learn. Sure. Um, sure. But I do look for rigor and, and um, um, excellence and execution because I think that's important anyway. Um, and I look for empathy um, and caring for um, the community and an openness to a community. Um, so, you know, having the, the, the marriage of, you know, kind of the, the business operational piece, but also the empathy and openness to um, understanding the principles of servant leadership. Fantastic. Angela, advice both for leaders looking to build their teams like you have done, but certainly very instructive, I think, for a person considering you know, a newcomer to our nonprofit profession. You've given them a literal checklist of things to think about. Um, this has been wonderful. I wonder any other kind of final thoughts you, you've given, I think our listeners, both real-time advice in dealing with a, a crisis situation, uh, if you will, but also just good fundamental nonprofit professional development. Uh, anything else on your uh, list, perhaps, that uh, you might add, because this has been wonderful. Well, there's a, there's a couple of, um, uh, a couple of, like, website books that I've been, you know, um, reading uh, over, you know, probably the last six months um, and, and now, and, and I'd, I'd like to just mention a couple. Um, oh, please do. Yep. So, you know, that's part of this uh, podcast. I'm looking for things to add to my library. So tell me, Angela, what should I add? So here's here's one that's um, that I think is uh, is a website that's called the Plug um, um, T H E P L U G by a young woman um, by the name of Sherelle Dorsey. She used to be in Charlotte. She started Black Tech Charlotte. Um, she is a, a wonderful innovation thinker um, and challenges the status quo in how businesses run and nice. how um, uh, young women of color are uplifted. So I would, I would definitely, I, I, I follow her. Uh, I consider her a friend. Um, she's a, a just extraordinary, extraordinary uh, leader, young leader. Um, and her, um, her, uh, her um, newsletter is called The Plug and you can Google it and it'll pop right up. I definitely suggest that. We'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. And then the, the other um, thing, the other two that I'm rereading, I'm rereading Blink. Um, by um, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah, you know, and his whole concept of making snap judgments and not overanalyzing um, your your thoughts and you know how how you know you are the whole idea of you know adaptive unconscious and and all of that. I think that is so relevant right now um, because we're so used to, to doing data and analysis. Some some of the decisions that we're going to make in the upcoming months are going to be 
based on intuition and snap judgment. And yeah, we're not going to have, we're not going to have the luxury of data, are we? Exactly. Or long-term study. Exactly. And so Blink, I, I, if you haven't, you know, came out, I think probably what, 10 years ago, pull it back it. out. It's, yep. it's definitely Love it. One. And then essentialism is my last one. Um, that was, that was a game changer for me. Um, Greg, I think it's McCowan is M C K E O W N. Just read that two um, months ago. Great choice. I love that book. Um, yep. The whole idea of, you know, prioritization. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. Um, that Indeed. was great for boundary setting for me and just really cutting to the key things that I needed to focus on. So those are, those are just a couple. That's fantastic. You have added to the library, I think, for many listeners. And for that, I'm grateful. Grateful for all your advice and counsel, Angela. Um, I guess we can go to the Hornet's Nest Council website to, to learn more about the great work you're doing there. And that's something I can put in the show notes or is oh, there absolutely. anything else you'd like to lift up? Um, absolutely. Um, our uh, website is www.hngirlscouts.org. Um, definitely um, connect with us through the website. There are opportunities and will continue to be opportunities to serve girls in our community, just because we are, um, are on pause, that does not mean that the needs of girls and families um, aren't critical and they will continue to be critical. So um, definitely um, connect with us there um, to find out ways how you can um, partner with us to, to deliver um, support to our families. Angela, that's fantastic. Thank you again for joining me on the path. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Patton. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Anne as much as I did and came away with some practical ideas that can shape your professional development and leadership style as you evaluate all the issues facing nonprofits in this coronavirus environment. I was particularly struck by her reminder to reread Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. And indeed, I pulled that back off the bookshelf and it might be something you consider adding to your reading list as well. Speaking of reading lists, don't forget to check out the show notes associated with this episode at PattonMcDowell.com. You can find any of these uh, book links and other resources that Angela and I discussed. As always, I hope you'll consider sharing this episode with someone else on the path. Perhaps they are in a triage environment right now and would benefit from Angela's uh, advice. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever you choose to enjoy. Don't miss any of these episodes. They come out every Thursday, and also we have a number of bonus episodes lining up for you as well. Thanks for what you're doing in the nonprofit sector, especially right now. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to seeing you next time on the path.